Welcome to the October 3rd sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 18, verses 12 through 27, and the sermon is entitled, Guilt and Grace, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. We're going to continue on in John chapter 18. Get your Bible out. Uh, We are taking a step farther in our complete study through the Gospel of John, and we are now walking into the heart of of God's message to us. As we open this study today, and for the next sermons that are coming, we are going to live out one single Friday on God's calendar. We call this day Good Friday. Ultimately, it was the best Friday. Ultimately, it's the best day of all days of all the world. It's the day on which the payment was made for every single sin of every sinner of every age on earth, the day that Jesus went to the cross for us, the Friday of our forgiveness, the Friday of our freedom, the Friday of our release from guilt and the gift of salvation. And so for us, it was a very, very good Friday. I often asked when I was young, why do we call this Good Friday? It's a crucifixion day. But for us, it was a very, very good Friday. But in another sense, it was the worst Friday of humanity as well. It was the day that Jesus, the Son of God, went through the agony and the passion and the death of the cross. He faced the pain of fake trials and cruel words and beatings and lashings and a crown of thorns and ultimately the cross of Calvary. Human beings stooped so low as to mount the very Lamb of God to be a public spectacle of shame and death. It was the best and the worst Friday of all the days of the world. Human beings given life everlasting on that day. On Thursday that week, before that Friday, Jesus shared the Passover with his disciples. He washed their feet. He showed them overwhelming love on that evening. And late into the night that Thursday, as they left that room, he took them on a journey from that room walking toward the Garden of Gethsemane. And all along the way, on that trek to the garden, he was teaching them. And they got to the Garden of Gethsemane late, late that Thursday night, early that Friday morning. And Jesus met with God the Father in deep prayer passionate prayer, prayer that was so passionate that the very sweat of his brow was mingled with blood because the blood vessels under the skin were under such stress that they burst into his sweat glands. Sweat mingled with blood with passionate prayer. Jesus knew fully well the horror that he was going to face in the coming hours on the cross. In that garden, Judas Iscariot, a man who paraded as a disciple, proved himself who he really was. He paraded as a friend for three years, but he proved himself to be the betrayer of the living Lord. People thought that he was a saved man walking in the footsteps of Jesus, and and that night he revealed himself as a lost man, willing to give up the Son of God to the authorities. He betrayed Jesus with a kiss, and led a band of soldiers to arrest the Lord. And as Scripture closed last week, as we closed the sermon last week, they led Jesus away out of the garden. Where did they take him? That's where we pick up today. 
John chapter 18 is where we're going to be in this study. In the sermon today, there are two main characters, Jesus and Peter. And we're going to read each separate account of their lives that night uh, within our scripture reading today. So let's first read about the experience of Jesus on this morning of the day that he was going to experience the old rugged cross. So go with me to John chapter 18. First go to verses 12 through 14, then we'll jump down to chapter, uh, to verse 19. So John chapter 18, go right now to verse 12. Then the band and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Now jump down to verse 19. The high priest, we're talking now Annas, the high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world, I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple whither the Jews always resort. And in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Now Annas sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest. Let's study for a moment on, on a moment for this account of the life of Jesus on this night that he was going to face the cross the next morning. Jesus is arrested in the garden. The first place they led him was to a man named Annas. Annas had served Israel as the high priest in years prior. He had been the high priest of Israel, the highest religious official of the nation from A.D. 6 to 15. So at this point, when Jesus meets Annas, Annas had not been high priest for more than 15 years. He had stopped his office of high priest at the 15th year of, eight, of the year A.D. Now, hearkening back to the day of Aaron, Moses' brother, Aaron was the first high priest of Israel, and the office was to be lifelong. When the high priest died in his office, then that office of high priest was to be passed to one of the high priest's sons. However, Annas was kicked out of office by the Roman government. He was not allowed to continue on as high priest, so they terminated his service in the year 15. Here we are now about the year 30 or beyond. So more than 15 years he'd been out of office. And yet five of his sons did follow him as the high priest, and one of his sons-in-law followed him as a high priest. His name was Caiaphas. In fact, Caiaphas is the sitting high priest in these moments that Jesus is going through these trials. And the day that Jesus is going to face the cross, Caiaphas is the high priest leading Israel. Annas was a mean man. He was a man of religious power. You know, those, that's a dangerous quotient when you add meanness to religious office. 
But he's intent on killing Jesus because Jesus was a burr under the saddle of the priesthood. Jesus had pointed to all the priests of Israel saying, you're fake and you're phony and you're lost teachers. You're teaching the Word of God, but you don't know the God of the Word. So Jesus was pointing out the insufficiencies of the priesthood to the Jews in the day. And the priests hated him. The leading priests wanted to develop a plan of murder against him. Caiaphas was leading that charge. So Jesus is brought to to Annas first. Now this is an informal meeting, but it's the first trial of several in this evening. But I want you to look with me to John chapter 18, verse 19. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. So here we are meeting with Annas, the high priest, and he is questioning Jesus. He's trying to find enough fodder in the conversation to bring a murder charge against him. So he asks about his disciples and he asks about his doctrine. I want you to notice that as crafty old Annas is asking these questions to drum up some way to kill Jesus, Jesus never mentions his disciples in the reply. Why is that? He's protecting them. He's shielding them. He's sheltering them so that they are not killed the same night with him. Jesus sets himself up to take the full load of punishment as he spares the 11. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, don't miss that point. He sets himself up to take all of the punishment in order to spare the 11. Do you realize today that he spared you and me too? He took the full brunt of the punishment that we would not be punished. And so as he spares his 11, as you go through the ages of time, it comes to us. He spares us too of punishment of the cross. He took the full hell of the cross to shield us from going there. What an amazing Savior we have. That he took the full load upon his shoulders and didn't delegate it out to we who are sinners. But as Annas questions Jesus about his doctrine, he wants to know what Jesus had been teaching the people of Israel. I want you to remember now, Annas is looking for statements that he could use against Jesus here in a death sentence. And Jesus said, I've not not taught anything behind your back. I've not taught anything in a secret place. I've not gone behind in some dark corner and taught people doctrine that's separate from what I've taught everybody publicly. I've taught openly in the synagogues. I've taught openly in the temple. And any person was welcome to come, even you, Annas. You could have attended anything that I taught. Nothing was done in secret. Look at verse 21 of chapter 18. Jesus says, why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. So Jesus said, ask anyone who's ever heard my teaching. They can tell you what I've taught. I can readily testify that there are many witnesses who have heard what I've taught. Now listen, here's a fine point of Old Testament law. You have to understand what Jesus is saying here. The fine point of the Old Testament law is this. If you're going to charge anyone with a crime, according to Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, you have to have 
two or more witnesses against that Jew in order to charge them with a crime. So Jesus is saying, call your witnesses, Annas. Call at least two witnesses who can testify against me that I have been teaching doctrine that's in the dark, that's subversive, that's ungodly. Call two witnesses is what he's essentially telling Annas to do. And at this point, it seems that Annas gets so angry and so defeated and so frustrated that he gives a signal to one of the soldiers standing by Jesus. Look at verse 22. Chapter 18, verse 22. And when he, Jesus, had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? So the soldier, most likely with a, a glance from Annas, retaliates by open-handedly striking Jesus on the face. A very hard and painful strike upon the face. Saying, can you answer the high priest in such a way? And in verse 23, Jesus says, tell me what evil I have spoken against him. Tell me what I have said that has brought about a strike against me like that. Why did you hit me? Jesus is pointing out that this inquisition in Annas' quarters is fake and faulty and cruel against an innocent man. And Annas is so frustrated, he's made no headway in bringing about any crime that could send Jesus to a death penalty. He's frustrated. Because all of his conversation with Jesus has ended with nothing that could point to Jesus as someone who deserves murder. And he makes sure that the Lord is tied up securely and he is sent on to the current high priest. So Annas sends him now to his son-in-law who is Caiaphas. And we will pick up that trial in sermons to come. But I want us to take a look at Peter now. As Jesus is standing before Annas in this fake courtroom, Peter is outside in the night. And we're going to read his sad account of what happens here. So go with me to John chapter 18. Go to verse 15. And let's hear Peter's account of this night. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art, thou not, art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now go down to verse 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. And they said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? 
Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. May God add his blessing to the reading of these words from his holy word. Before we look at these verses, I want to remind you earlier in the evening that Peter had stood up in the room where Jesus celebrated the Passover and washed his disciples' feet. Peter made a statement that night on that Thursday evening in the private setting of the room. If you want to flip back with me, you can, to Matthew chapter 13, verses 37 and 38. Just hear these words. Matthew, uh, uh, John, if I said Matthew, I apologize. John 13, 37, 38. Peter saith unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice, three times. Peter had been warned of his coming failure in the room as he met with the disciples and Jesus. But now several hours later, as Jesus had been arrested, Peter was following the Lord and he stood outside of the main gateway of the high priest's palace. But John 18, 15 says that there is another disciple. I am sure it is John the disciple, the author of the gospel. There is another disciple who knew Annas and had freedom to enter into the inner courts of the high priest's palace. And so John, I believe, is the disciple who gets in and he goes into the inner courtyard of the palace and then he goes out and brings Peter from the outside of the gate to the inside of the palace gate. So John and Peter are both there inside of the gate. So now the disciples are on the palace grounds as Jesus is meeting with Annas as he's going through this trumped-up trial. They're awaiting the outcome as they're standing on the inward part of the palace grounds. And a young lady servant, a keeper of the palace entry gate, looks at Peter and says, aren't you one of that man's disciples? And he said, no, I'm not. I'm not a part of that group. I don't know who they are. Now, I want you to remember a very important point that you're going to hear about later on down the road in another sermon. A fire had been built there. The night was cold. So they built a fire so that people could stand around it to warm themselves. But as they stand around that fire, I want you to notice that in verse 17 it says it's a fire of coals. I want you to circle that in your scripture. A fire of coals in verse 17. I'm going to bring you back to those words in a sermon on farther down the road as we get toward the end of the Gospel of John. But I just want you to be reminded that we're coming back to the fire of coals in another sermon. But Peter and a group of servants and officers are standing there in Annas' household and they're warming, warming themselves on this cold night. And as we get to John chapter 18, verse 25, members of that group also ask Peter, aren't you one of the disciples with this man? And for a second time, Peter says, oh, no, not me. I don't know him. I know nothing about the group he's with. So complete denial that he knew Jesus or knew anything about 
the group that was with him. But then one of the servants spoke up and said, well, wh- now wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. I was one of the soldiers in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and when I was there, one of my kinsmen, let's just say in their southern language, one of my cousins was in the garden, and you cut off his ear with a sword. You are with that group because you assaulted my cousin and took off his ear. Uh, We see that in John chapter 18, verse 27. Look at that verse. Peter then denied again. That's mainly what I want you to see right there. Peter simply denied on the third time that he was with the group. But Matthew's gospel makes this third statement much stronger. I want you to hear it. Just write down the reference. It's Matthew chapter 26, verse 74, and this is what it says. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. So Matthew, the gospelist, adds more force to what Peter says in this third statement of denial against Jesus. Now, I want you to understand this. Peter did not throw out this string of blasphemies or obscenities or what we would call curse words. But rather, what he was saying is this. God, curse me if I know this man. God bring down his punishment against me if I know him. So Peter swears he does not know who Jesus is in this string of loud language that he blurts out on this third denial. In other words, he brings down his own punishment against himself when he says, God curse me if I knew him. But then he remembers what Jesus told him in the room. Peter, you will deny me three times. And it all comes down on him. And all of the truth settles on his shoulders when the rooster crows. Because Jesus said, you will deny me three times and the cock will crow. When he heard that rooster, it all came on his shoulders. You know, as I close the sermon today, I want you to think of something that never really occurred to me before. That night... The rooster was the primary reminder that Peter was filled with guilt and denial against the Lord God. The rooster crowed his sin. The rooster crowed his guilt. It crowed just prior to the cross to announce that this was a horrible night and even one of the primary servants of Jesus had denied him and carried the guilt of denial on his shoulders. But what else does the crow of a rooster mean? The dawn of a new day. The coming of a brand new day, a new morning. The dawn of forgiveness that would come by way of the cross. That rooster that morning stood for both Peter's guilt and Jesus' grace. Yes, it crowed as Peter denied Jesus. But it also crowed to bring in a new day that would be given to us through the cross of Jesus Christ that we might have the grace of God upon us. Our guilt, our sin, forgiven by the grace of God extended to us only, only through the old rugged cross. There's no other way to come to heaven than through the old rugged cross. That's the bridge. The blood-stained 
cross of Jesus Christ. That's our bridge, Jesus' death on the cross, that we might have forgiveness in heaven. So today, believers, Scripture calls us to humility because every single one of us from this spot behind the pulpit to in front of this pulpit, wherever the message goes in this world, every single one of us is a Peter. Every single one of us has sinned against the holiness of God. Every single one of us is condemned because we have fallen short of His grace and His blessing and His purpose in our life. That's what the Bible teaches us. I'm not pointing a finger at you to tell you something that's outside of the biblical word. Every one of us has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. Every one of us is a Peter. But I'm so glad for what Psalm 103, verse 12 says. Write that reference down. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. I love that verse. You know, you can go north to south. You will meet the north and start south. You'll meet the south and start north. But you cannot go from east and turn it into west. It can't happen. That's how far Jesus removes our sin and our guilt from us. When I stand before God with Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, He will not remind me of the times I denied Him. He will not remind me of the failures I have committed against Him or the sin that I've committed against Him. Praise God that our sin is paid and erased and gone forever through the cross of Jesus Christ. And him alone. Jesus will not remind me of the times I denied him, nor will he remind Peter of this night. Because he's forgiven. And he's given life eternal. Praise God, our sins are paid. Today we're going to take the Lord's Supper in just a moment and thank him as we remember what he did for us. Christian brother, sister, may we rededicate our lives to live in that attitude of thanksgiving every day that our sin has been paid and that we are freed to live for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're to represent Him and witness for Him and our life belongs to Him because it was paid for on that cross that we're studying right now. Rededicate your life, brother, sister, with me that we together will serve Him out of thanksgiving because of what He's done for us to forgive our denial and our guilt. But today, if you are listening and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, and you would die in denial. Listen to this. This is not my word. I have not trumped it up. I've not made it up. I've not expanded it. I've not embellished it. I've not grown it. This is what the Bible says. If you die in your sin, if you die in your denial, God Almighty is going to roll back the tape, and He's going to remind you of every lustful thought He's going to remind you of every curse word. He's going to remind you of every ungodly act. He's going to remind you of every time you walked away from the invitation to the Lord Jesus and His forgiveness. He's going to remind you of it all. According to Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, God keeps ledger books of our sin. And that verse says, the dead, which means the unsaved. The unsaved, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened and the dead were judged. If you do not have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are facing judgment for denial. 
and death for denial, eternal death for denying Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But I want you to hear, don't, don't stop listening now. Listen, this minute, this moment, you can come to Jesus and say, Lord, you died for me on the old rugged cross. I am a sinner, and you died to save me. You took my punishment on your shoulders that I might be forgiven, that all of my denials and all of my sin and all of my shortcoming will be taken as far as the east is from the west, never to be reminded again. I need you as my Savior, and I come to you, and I bow before you, and I give my life to you, and I ask you to forgive me, I ask you to save me, and I ask you to expunge every sin off my record. So I stand clean before the holiness of God, not because of who I am, but because of who my Savior is. I need you. I come to you. If you need him, if you're here in this house or you're listening online, if you're listening in the parking lot on a FM signal, if you need him, this is your invitation. It's not my invitation. It's Jesus' invitation. And he's ready and he's willing for you to come to him. Just say, Lord, I come just as I am, I come. I ask you to forgive me. Church home, whatever you need, the Lord meets us in this place. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, this is the beginning of the greatest story of all time. The account of Jesus who gave himself that we might have life, who gave himself that we might be forgiven of our denials. Peter shows us what denial is, Lord, but reminds us every one of us has expressed denial against you. Myself absolutely leading the way. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for living in our hearts. Thank you for going to the cross. You took all of the punishment upon yourself to spare others. All of us, Lord, thank you. For we who are believers, Lord, I pray we will rededicate our lives to you as we remember what you did for us. If there's one who needs Jesus as Lord and Savior, today is the day that their record can be expunged and their sin removed from them as far as the east is from the west. There's only one way for that to happen, and that's to come and bow at the feet of Jesus Christ and say, I am a sinner and I need you, Lord, to be my Savior. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I want you to be my king. I will follow you. I accept you, Lord. I want to be your son or your daughter. And it says today, that person will not be considered for salvation, may be saved. The scripture says that person will be saved when they confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Bless us today with at least one who gives his or her heart to you. Church home, whatever the need, bless us in these precious moments in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.